Warning, this show may contain adult language that is not suitable for all audiences. This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter. This is the interview edition. We've got a ton of interviews this week. Almost too many to count, but you're going to listen to all of them and you're going to love them because this is a thick array of interviews, not just folks that are on this week's card, but, uh, well, I guess everybody's on this weekend's card. We've also got Anthony Taylor's on this Sunday's boxing card, uh, the undercard of the Jake Paul Tyron Woodley fight. He will be taking on Tommy Fury, the uh, younger half-brother of Tyson Fury. So very interesting uh, turn of events for Anthony Taylor, who's uh, on, on quite a win streak right now in the mixed martial arts space, and uh, is making a foray into... I guess it's professional boxing. I don't think this is an exhibition. I think this is a, a, an official fight. So kudos to Anthony. But uh, let's talk about who we have on from this weekend's UFC card. Giga Chikadze will join us. He's in the main event taking on Edson Barboza. Chikadze has, I think, the best record of anybody who's appeared on the Contender Series to come to the UFC. 6-0. and The most wins without a loss. So uh, that would make him, I guess, the most decorated Contender Series fighter, even though he lost on the Contender Series. So he's going to be in the main event keeps moving up the ladder in the featherweight division and of course against Edson Barboza this fight has fireworks written all over it I'll also be joined by all of the finalists from the ultimate fighter we've got Brian Battle Gilbert Urbina who's uh, actually the third Urbina brother to be on the ultimate fighter and has gotten further than both of his brothers has a chance to be the first Urbina to win the ultimate fighter uh, Brady Heastand will join us as will Ricky Tercios loved speaking to these guys they've got such great enthusiasm you know, they're like puppies. They're, they're excited about doing interviews. They're, they're happy to be where they are. I love it. I love the enthusiasm. And we'll also be joined by Gerald Mearshart, my old friend. Love speaking with Gerald. He's got a tough one ahead of him against Mahmoud Muradov. He's the biggest underdog on the card. And uh, I'm eager to see what he thinks about this, uh, this incredible challenge that he has before him. With the deck stacked against him, it's never seemed to bother him in the past. He accepts everything that the matchmakers throw at him. I think he accepted it before even knowing Muradov's background or that he was a, uh, a big prospect. So... All of these fine folks will be joining me on the TSN MMA show. Let's start off with Giga Chikadze, who will be headlining the card, followed by Gerald Mearshart, all of the tough finalists. And I forgot one very important guest. I don't know why uh, this slipped my mind, but uh, the Motown phenom, Kevin Lee. Uh, apologies to Kevin Lee for not mentioning him. He's a, he's a big attraction. So he'll actually be on the show after Giga Chikadze. We'll have Giga Chikadze, Motown phenom, Kevin Lee, Gerald Mearshart, all of the tough finalists. And Anthony Pretty Boy Taylor, a stacked show. How many guests is that? Nine? I'm bad at math, aren't I? Chikadze, Mearshart, Lee, the finalists, so there's four of those, seven, eight guests in total. So uh, strap in, because there's a lot of content coming your way right now, starting with Giga Chikadze. Pleased to be joined now by Giga Chikadze, who will be in the main event against Edson Barboza, this Saturday, it's UFC Fight Night at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas. And uh, I know it's not your birthday today, but I wanted to wish you a happy birthday. Well, you're happy, your birthday is August the 23rd, and uh, you're going to be turning 33 years old. That's exciting. Uh, thank you. Thanks. Yeah, actually, in my country, it's already my birthday. So a lot of people are calling me and congratulating me. Thank you. I appreciate it. No problem. Well, you proudly represent the uh, Republic of Georgia, and like you said, it's uh, it's past midnight there now, so it's it's your, officially your birthday uh, in your in your homeland. So uh, congratulations on that. And uh, unfortunately, you're not going to be able to eat any really good meals, I imagine, on your birthday while you're in Las Vegas. 
<laughs> no, yeah, absolutely. I can't really enjoy too much. I'm very focused, you know, I'm dieting, cutting weight, training a little bit and uh, focusing on a Saturday. But I believe my present and my my celebration dinner going to come Saturday night after the fight. Well, your presence is our present because you're one of the uh, the most exciting fighters to watch in the UFC, and you're against one of the most exciting fighters to watch in the UFC and Edson Barbosa. So a great matchup. But I was curious. Edson's a fantastic striker. You know, he's a very fearsome striker. But would you be more nervous going into a fight against somebody uh, that was a really high level wrestler rather than a high level striker because you know how good your striking is? Um, yeah, I don't know. Probably. Probably more with a wrestler, but honestly, I'm not nervous anymore at all because I'm very confident in my wrestling, in my jiu-jitsu. Yeah, I've been working hard for this, you know, the so last couple of years. So now it's, it's it's the right time for me to be a champion, be a number one in my weight division. You know, I know I'm a number 10 right now and I need to prove. So, yeah. I've done some research recently on the Dana White Contender Series, which is starting again next Tuesday. And uh, even though you lost on the show, you have the best record of anybody that has been on the show. Uh, where did that improvement come in? What clicked for you when you finally got the opportunity in the UFC and now you're on that big win streak? So uh, when I was in the Contender Series, you know, I was fighting same time Glory Kickboxing, which is the highest league. And also I was uh, evolving in my MMA game, which was really hard, you know. So I was getting paid from the glory kickboxing money and I was uh, investing in MMA progress. So after the lose, I decided to stop kickboxing and completely concentrate on uh, on my end. And uh, that's when I got uh, more time prepare for my wrestling. I, I did a lot of competition. I started wrestling with the young kids, like the college wrestlers, which I really needed ABC steps to do it. So finally, we. So I watched the video, Giga. I saw your dad, Jaja. He was outside the hospital right after you were born, and he said, "My son's going to be a, a good fighter and a good person." Why was that important to him that you uh, you become a, a good fighter? And he mentioned judo in specific. Did you learn judo at a young age? So yeah, that's a good video, which probably gonna stay forever in my in my history. Uh, yeah, my dad used to be a judo wrestler, and he was really very talented, very good up and coming young talent from Soviet Union. He was competing at the moment, and uh, then. Uh, then I was born and the karate was very popular and uh, first he thought I was going to be a judo wrestler but karate was so popular and I loved uh, so much the Bruce Lee movies so he took me into karate school. And here you are all these years later now headlining your first UFC event. So what does that mean to you and to your father? Um, then me and my dad we were watching uh, together the UFC events. I remember 1993, we watched together when Royce Gracie won. And I, I was already going at karate, and you know, the, he was wearing the gi when he was fighting. And that's when I thought that I was going to fight one day in the octagon. 
it's it was really big thing in Georgia. You know, everyone was watching pretty much like was renting the video VHS cassettes, and that's how we were watching these fights. And it's funny, I saw a video of you uh, at your gym with uh, Coach Cordero, and Hoist Gracie was there. And I know you've been training with Mike Tyson, two of your heroes growing up. Is that surreal for you? What, do you get starstruck when you see those guys walk into the gym? Yeah, that's crazy, man. We have so much motivation. You know, you see one day Tyson, one day Royce Gracie steps in. Some some of the UFC champions like Fabricio Werdum. You know, some of really well-known athletes as well. Uh, so it's a uh, definitely like dream come true for to me because I'm a. Uh, I'm a kid from Georgia uh, who's making a history and like I'm very proud of it. It seems like right when you came into the UFC, there's been this explosion of Georgian fighters that have come into the UFC and are starting to do really, really well. Uh, what do you think that's attributed to? Why do you think there have been so many good Georgian fighters that have started to sign with the UFC and be successful in the UFC? Um, it's... I don't know. It's kind of everyone who came in the UFC, they made their own way from different countries, you know. Uh, and then, uh, then uh, uh, we, let's say, I came, I was, used to live in Netherlands and I went in the United States to get into UFC. Some of the other fighters, the, some of them, they made from Russia, from Spain, from Sweden from the United States and uh, was really hard to get into USC for, for the it's a couple of years ago but now everyone everything is getting easier because we are making the, the way for the younger generation is gonna be I believe easier and from the part where I, where we come from we are the strong people you know we are mountain people we, very tough-minded. Uh, you cannot really break Georgian fighter, Georgian guy. So I believe when Georgian guy decides something to do it, they can do it. And I'm glad they are making their way into UFC. One thing you're trying to do is raise cancer awareness for cancer research. Your mother unfortunately passed away due to cancer. Um, what are you doing? You're in a, in a position of power right now uh, as a, a main eventer in the UFC to help raise awareness uh, for cancer research. Yeah, I have a, I have a history about this. My uh, mom passed away, as you mentioned. And this is something is gonna stay forever in my heart and uh, for my family and for me. It's gonna be always supposed to help others because remember how hard it was for us to get 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 their all the collect all the money for it. So anytime I fight, some of the percentage always goes to the charity fund and trying to find the people who need really the help and we're trying to help them. Well, I really hope you do make a difference in that regard. A lot of people had, uh, you know, different family members pass away due to cancer, of course. And uh, I think that's very, uh, very good to hear that you're giving some money uh, back for every one of your fights. I uh, appreciate your time, Giga. Best of luck this weekend against Edson Barbosa and uh, hope to speak with you again soon. Thank you. He is the Motown phenom, Kevin Lee. It's nice to see you again, Kevin. You're coming out of media hibernation. I love it. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I kind of uh, went away for a little bit. I felt like that was necessary, though. 
Well, for someone who's got the gift of gab like yourself, it, it saddens me. You know, it's hard to get great interviews in this space, and you're always uh, able to provide that. Oh, I appreciate that. I appreciate it. Um, but uh, like I said, you know, I kind of had to back away from it just so I can heal up. Uh, I'm doing something that I, I've never seen anybody do in this sport before, so uh, that that's taking a lot of focus and um, a lot of direction towards that area. And what is it? It's two knee surgeries, and you're recovering what nine months? Yeah, two two uh, complete ACL surgeries, um, nine months on my right knee, and uh, and almost twelve months on, on my left knee. So double ACL surgery within a year. What have your doctors said about that? Like when they see that you've made it this far, do they do they say that they haven't seen anything like this before? You know, to to be honest, I wasn't uh, too much in contact with the actual doctor himself. Um, I use Dr. Hansen over here in Las Vegas, but um, I, I've really just been working at the PI and, and trusting in the physical therapist. Um, Heather, she she's amazing at what she's doing. She's been through a lot of ACL surgeries. She never seen uh, she never done the double um, in this short amount of time. But considering where I was in, in my recovery, she was uh, totally with it. Yeah, Heather does some uh, amazing work for the athletes of the UFC that you guys are lucky to have her with uh, all of her experience. Um, so, Daniel Rodriguez, how did this opponent come about? I know Sean Brady was your original opponent. Seems like you just keep diving into these tough matchups coming right off of this uh, this double surgery. Yeah, he. Uh, at first, I thought Daniel was you know not not as tough, but um, as I looked more into him and as I continue to to do my research on him, he he's tougher than I was giving him credit for. Um, I had a lot of people calling me from the streets that like, oh, you fight D-Rod. Like, oh, we heard of this dude before. You know, I guess he had a, a, a big reputation. So, you know, it's 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 a tough fight. And um, I rise to them occasions. I like them tough fights. I ask for them. I don't I don't I did ask for Mike Perry, somebody like that. Make it an easy one on me coming off these surgeries. But uh, that don't seem to be the way my career is going. Well, instead, you've got a guy that's beaten him in the past. So what do you know about Daniel? Have you watched this fight? Were you, yeah. were you familiar with him when this one came about? Um, I, I wasn't. The only thing I was familiar with was the 1986 on his, on his chest. I'm not going to lie. I uh, hadn't really heard of his name much. But really, honestly, I'm the name in this game. So I, I wasn't too uh, concerned with the fact that he doesn't make a big name for himself in, in the actual MMA space. Um, when I actually look at his fights, he's tough. He comes forward. Uh, he's kind of got like that Mexican boxing style, which has given me trouble in the past. So that, uh, that, that, that gives me a good challenge to go after. Now, one guy that you were almost aligned with was Bilal Muhammad. You guys, uh, he, he accepted the fight, but he wanted to do it a little bit later on. And you didn't want to wait because obviously you're hungry to get back in there. But that's an opponent that I love yeah. for you down the line. I think that that's a great matchup. You guys are both kind of on the smaller side for 70 and have very similar styles. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's an interesting fight. Um, that would have been a good one. But I, I get it. You know, he didn't want to take it three weeks notice. I, I didn't hold that against him. Um, he, he'd rather push it for the September 25th pay-per-view. And uh, like you said, I just wasn't interested in, in, in waiting that long. I've already been in training camp for 14, 15 weeks now. Um, so to add another four on top of that would have, uh, you know, it just didn't make enough sense for me. Where do you see yourself uh, in this division with a win? Uh, do, do you expect that you're going to fight two, three more times and, and go for the title? I mean, Usman has beaten almost every contender in this division. You're one of those guys that he's never yeah. faced. Yeah, and I'm, I, I pose a style that he's never faced either. Uh, so my job is just to go out there and show people 
uh, that I'm a legit contender in here. Um, I feel like scale for skill, I'm already top five in this division. Um, I'll probably fight somebody up there next, and then uh, then we'll go from there. This will be the first time I, I really try and put together a, a real championship run and uh, make a run for that title. How happy are you not have to cut that much weight? And uh, what have you been walking around that as of late uh, versus when you were at 155? Yeah, that, that's been good. That's been fun. Um, you know, I, I'm only cutting about 12 pounds as composed to, to a 25 or 26 pound cut. Uh, that makes a big difference, you know. Um, so it's, it's, it's make a difference in my mood, you know, even. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. The cut shouldn't be a problem. I'm, I'm about 182. You know, walking around. Um, and, you know, most of the time I can get up to about 185. Uh, and for lightweight, I was about the same size as this. I, I tried my best not to uh, change my size up too much. You know, you hear about some guys, they go up and they're like, okay, I'm going to put on 10 pounds. Um, I, I don't think that was necessary. I think I was already one of the strongest guys at lightweight. And I think I'll be one of the strongest guys at welterweight too. What do you think is uh, your, your biggest strength moving up to 170 that perhaps at 155 uh, you, you were kind of on a level playing field I, I think my ability to scramble and keep going and keep moving and keep moving and i think that's going to frustrate a lot of people um one thing getting ready for this fight I, i've only been moving around with middleweights and light heavyweights and bigger guys to get used to moving those bigger bodies around and uh i noticed that the bigger guys they just don't move as much as as, as smaller guys do you know they don't they don't chain their techniques together at, at, as many times. So I feel like uh, th that's going to give a lot of people a lot of trouble. That and my speed, my speed will be uh, something that really stands out too. Outside of yourself, who do you think has the best chance of beating Usman in the division right now? In this division? Uh, hmm. I I'd probably say Kobe in this next fight. Um, and that's not even just because they're, they're getting ready to fight right now. Uh, I just think he's had enough time to, to sit back, reflect on that fight, and uh, kind of heal from it, too. And Usman's been taking a lot of fights lately. So um, if there's going to be one that, that really gives him trouble, it's going to be that. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. It seems like they, uh, they had a really good matchup the last time around. Usman ended up winning down the stretch. But uh, Colby's moved over to New Camps, probably learned a couple of new tricks. He hasn't been quite as active as Usman, which is the part that worries me. But I think uh, from a matchup standpoint, it's, it's probably the toughest matchup for him in the top five. Yeah, and some of the inactivity, I think, can, can uh, benefit him a little. I can, just speaking on myself, like I, I can see why so many guys have surgery and then come back much better. Because th this time off kind of gives you a chance to really uh, kind of miss it a little bit. And just to heal yourself. Heal, heal not only physically but mentally as well. So uh, I, I think the time off actually is going to do him better. You know, I, I'm, I'm not – I don't know. I, we're going to see on Saturday whether I say that ring rust is real or not. But after studying so many people, I don't think it's a real thing. Now, Charles Oliveira, that's when you say you want to get back. You want to move back down to 155 for only that fight. Uh, what is it about that yeah. fight that, uh, that you want to get back? What, what, what are you unhappy with in terms of your performance? Yeah, I mean, I just didn't like the, the circumstances surrounding the fight. You know, that was, that was the first one um, during this pandemic uh, and before we were even calling it a pandemic, you know. Um, and, you know, I, I just felt I didn't get a fair shake uh, of the fights, so. Um, there, there were too many outstanding circumstances beyond the actual us getting into the cage that, uh, that 
I, I think, warrant a rematch. Now, what was that fight week like? I mean, just being there, you were in Brazil, all this stuff is going on, all these restrictions are coming up. Like, uh, how many yeah. different things were you able to even focus on during that fight week with all of these, these things up in the air? Yeah, not, not many people notice that type of stuff. Um, you know, I'm just getting pushed and pulled back and forth. Even just to get my hair braided for that one was, was a, a seven-hour process the day of the fight. Um, so it's just unadded stress. It's unadded, you know, things that you don't even have to, that you shouldn't have to worry about when you're getting ready for a fight, you know, and, and all these people, uh, coming up and my, my coaches want to leave because they have families back home and we, we might not be able to leave this next day and, and get back to America. They're, they're going to shut down the borders. Um, so we were trying to book flights and, and okay, no, no, don't book the flight. The, the fight's still on. Uh, and then there was just a lot of that. Uh, kind of push and pull and um, you know I felt like Charles didn't necessarily have to deal with that being from Brazil and living there and you know what I mean only dealing with that Um, so it could have been a fair fight and it was also an empty arena show which right now doesn't mean a whole lot but when you look at it the fact that there's been like 80 shows in empty arena since then you guys were kind of the first ones to have to do it and I'm sure that that kind of pressure is a little bit different expecting fans to be there and then having to walk out to a a giant arena with nobody in it yeah yeah it was it was very different especially when you talk about Brazil uh you know you getting ready for that crowd and that that hostility um but, you know, that, that's not to take away from anything that he did during the fight itself. Uh, Charles is good. Charles is much better than I expected. And, and um, not to take it away from his performance or, or anything like that, I just feel like uh, a, a rematch is definitely to be had in the future. Well, I think he's certainly uh, is better than a lot of people expect. He's now the champion of the world, a guy that had a lot of up and downs yeah. in his career, very similar to your career. You've had some ups and downs, and uh, you're still a young guy. There's still a lot of time for you, and we're looking forward to seeing you uh, back uh, in action this weekend against Daniel Rodriguez. It's going to be an empty arena, but you're expecting it. I'm sure you've been to the Apex many times uh, during these, uh, this yeah. pandemic, so uh, we're looking forward to seeing you uh, perform at your optimal uh, ability against Daniel Rodriguez. Thanks for your time, and best of luck. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure to speak with our next guest. And when I say next, I mean next. The guy who snatches next, Gerald Mearshart. And he's a dad now, so he's going to have to put up with my dad jokes and just enjoy them. Hey, it's good to be back on here. How you been? I'm good, except uh, you've lost the beard. What, what's, uh, what's with uh, the clean-shaven look? Uh, well, my son is starting to recognize faces. So, you know, instead of blowing his mind later in life i'll let him get used to my face first before i grow back in so it's not such a shock when i have it back on well there's a lot more maintenance involved and you've got less time as a dad so i mean kudos to you for for finding the time to to trim it on uh what every every other day is that what's the shaving schedule like uh i mean i shaved it for fight week here because i knew i had some interviews today and i'll probably do it uh, on Friday, but otherwise I just use clippers. It's real simple. Just, you know, take it, a couple passes across my face and we're good to go. Well, there you go. So you found out about this fight, like in the hospital room, is that correct? Uh, I mean, pretty much. Yeah. I, uh, he had just been born and my manager called me. They're like, Hey, they got this fight. It's at this time. And, uh, my knee jerk reaction was like, uh, I'm not thinking about anything else right now. Like I, I like, is that too soon? Like, and then I thought about it and my manager was like, no, it's, you know, 12 weeks. It's plenty of time. And I was like, oh, okay. Cause I wanted to, you know, get adjusted. It's going to be a different sleep schedule at first. Luckily for me, it changed very quickly. So I can't 
complain about that. He's been sleeping through the night like a champ since, you know, a month or a little more old and he's about four months now. So, you know, I've all the time I needed to recover. It's been easy for that. And, you know, I, I'm just ready over more than ready to fight. So when he said the opponent, uh, the opponent was Mahmoud Muradov, did that, did that mean anything to you at the time? Initially, no, it didn't. Uh, but you know, he's, He's good. He's really good up and coming prospect. I looked him up. I looked up his fights. Um, you know, he's good. He's he moves around a lot. He manages space well. Uh, he uses his hands really well. Um, he he's good straight using his length and distance. Uh, but he's also good about when he gets in close. He's good about diving his head out of the way and like throwing good hard punches, like not quite overhands, but you know, like a traditional power punch from a boxer. So it, it's going to be a good fight. I'm excited for the challenge. Have you seen anything in terms of his grappling? Because uh, it seems like he's been matched up with predominantly strikers. Uh, I wouldn't. Well, in the UFC, at least, he fought um, Andrew Sanchez. Oh, yeah. Sanchez, and Trevor, yeah, he's a grappler. And, right, and DiCirico. So all his fights have been on the feet. Uh, but as far as Smith and Sanchez go, I think he fought two more like wrestler grapplers in a stand-up battle. Not that either of them have bad stand-up. just, you know, they're also known to have... That good grappling, and especially uh, um, Smith is, you know, predominantly a wrestler. So uh, I think he did a good job defending takedowns. You know, he's got a good first step sprawl at the very least, and he'll even attack some double legs, and he's pretty quick about it. Uh, but there's definitely some, you know, things I think I can exploit, and you know, this will probably, I would put my money on this will be the most he's grappled in a fight in his life. <laughs> is pulling guard something that you're looking at? Hell no. I you ain't something would have to be going catastrophically wrong unless they just really you know, like ran into me and extended their arms and I fell back for a submission, but I I don't think you're ever gonna see me pull guard in a fight. Why are you so against pulling guard? I it is like one of my pet peeves that like it, it very, very dangerous thing to do. So like Paul Craig, good example. He did a very good job of it. He kind of pulled guard, but you know, it wasn't pulling guard for pulling guard's sake. He trapped hands and was immediately working to a submission. He had a game plan. I got no problem with that, but I like wrestling too much, and it's too easy. You know, well, not too easy, but I just prefer taking people down and forcing forcing them into those kind of grappling exchanges where I can hit them a little bit more. Because you go to your back, you can submit people or sweep them. I mean, you can hit them, but it's probably not going to do much unless you plan on fighting you know like the little brother and i've only got two younger brothers i only know how to fight like the older brothers so i'm gonna take you down and get on top of you it's funny this is kind of surprised me because you're of course the, the leader in submissions in the middleweight division but pulling guard is like it's not even it's not even an option for you you're not because i mean if you if you're on the ground with him even if he's on top you know has top control i'm sure you have a bevy of weapons you could throw at him Oh, yeah. If I end up on my back for some reason, I'm not going to be freaking out about it. But I am very anti-pulling guard. I think for practicality's sake, that's probably one of the worst approaches you could take in a fist fight. So, yeah, I'm going to avoid that. And, you know, am I uh, do I practice jujitsu? Yes, but I'm a grappler. And grappling means you figure out a way to get your hands on someone, put them on the floor where you want them, and then either hit them till the ref pulls you off, break something, or choke them unconscious. And that's what I plan on doing. All right, so pulling guard uh, 
essentially off the table again, unless you said something's going catastrophically. Uh, so we'll we'll have to see. I mean, uh, you know, this is a this is a fight. Anything can happen. But I guess pulling guard is not one of those things. Yeah, I, <laughs> something very strange would have to happen for me to pull guard. You you probably you probably see pigs fly as the saying goes before I pull guard. From doing your research on Muradov, did you learn who his manager is? Uh, I know he's, I don't know if he's managed by the money team or affiliated with them somehow, but I know that's the part of his whole mystique is he's uh, technically like under Mayweather from what I understand. Yeah, he's part of the, I guess, I don't know if he's, like you said, I don't think he's part of the money team, but he's managed by Floyd Mayweather, the only fighter in the UFC, I believe, managed by Floyd Mayweather. So I always thought that was kind of an interesting uh, tidbit. And also I mentioned it because it can segue us into our next topic, which is Tyron Woodley boxing against Jake Paul on Sunday. Uh, he's a bigger underdog than Ben Askren was. Does that surprise you? Yeah. Yeah, I I understand that, you know, he's coming off some tough losses, but they're to really tough competition who are actual, you know, world-class fighters. And I don't know if everyone just mysteriously forgot, but, like, Tyron hits really, really, really hard. And Jake Paul hasn't fought anyone or probably even sparred with anyone that's hit him really, really, really hard. So, uh, you know... You can be the taller, longer fighter, but Tyron's fought taller, longer guys before, and he's knocked a lot of people out. So, you know, I go with the guy that has real power and more knockouts. You've worked with Tyron closely. I'm sure you've been hit by him many times. Yeah, yeah, more <laughs> than a couple. Uh, I was one of his uh, one of his main training partners for the Robbie Lawler fight, and uh, I was pretty much. The only guy he sparred with for Darren Till. And yeah, uh, getting hit by that right hand is not fun. Like he's He was even pretty well educated in boxing. He was working with uh, Coach Eric Brown from Wildcard even, you know, for some of those fights in his MMA career. So he's not like a stranger to boxing. And uh, yeah, he's just always had like ridiculous power. And I can vouch for it. It's not fun. Well, Tyron has said in interviews that basically when he came into mixed martial arts in general, he transitioned to mixed martial arts, he said that grappling was a very, very low on the totem pole focus for him, that it was almost entirely striking for his entire career. And as we've seen with Tyron, he, he wasn't much of a kicker. He was just a power puncher. So that's probably going to suit him well in this fight. Absolutely. Yeah, he's always been very focused on his hands. I mean, he's got the wrestling credentials. Um. But, you know, there's no takedowns in a boxing match. And even most of his fights and a lot of his successes come from, you know, blitzing guys or getting him to look at a fake and then just catching them. So that's the thing is, you know, I don't – I haven't seen Tyron be in a fight where it was like just one punch. I mean, he fought Vincent Luque and, like, he got hurt by a punch, but it wasn't like he just, you know, went out cold or something. Like in Vincent Luque, you're talking about a guy who touches a lot of people and puts them to sleep. So I don't think – Jake Paul possesses that kind of power or, you know, that kind of boxing technique in general. But Tyron does. Tyron can touch him once and put him unconscious. So that's that's going to be the big difference, I think. Now that the Ben Askren boxing match is, you know, long behind us, how much did Ben work on his striking in the gym? Like, is it comparing apples to oranges when you look at how much Woodley has focused on his hands versus Ben? Uh, in their overall career, I'd say absolutely. I mean, you know, Ben did work on his striking a lot uh, for his MMA career, but it was, you know, for a reason. He wanted to get a hold of you to take you down. Whereas, like, Tyron, 
did a lot of striking for striking's sake. But, uh, I mean, he was working, you know, Ben was working to his credit a lot with just boxers and stuff for the boxing fight. But, yeah, if you're talking about their whole athletic career, absolutely. You're a fairly big underdog in this one. I think you're actually the biggest underdog on the card uh, for the Saturday. Do you like being in that spot? Is that something that, I mean, in the past you've done really well in, the, in that situation? I'm, I mean, it doesn't really matter if I like it or not because I'm pretty much always an underdog. So if I don't do well in that spot, you know, I wouldn't still have a job. So it's one of those things where, like, I don't really think about whether I am or not. I kind of just expect it at this point, especially because, you know, I seem to get either, you know, just really tough guys or prospects. So, you know, at this point, it is what it is. What's your contract situation like? Uh, how many more fights do you have after this one? Mm, I think I have one or two more, I think. Maybe more than that. I honestly can't remember. This has got to be, uh, yeah, I think it's the third, but, you know, I, I have no idea. That's, the whole COVID thing, you know, threw me off with uh, missing the one fight with Ed Herman and, you know, coming back and forth and taking a long layoff, so I'd have to go back and check. Well, if it was your last one, I was going to say you could call Jake Paul out at the end. You could say, you know, you fought Askren, you fought Woodley. You know, who's next in line? I'm, I'm Fight someone your own size now. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely wouldn't mind fighting Jake Paul, but uh, I'd much rather stay in the UFC for now. You know, I I mean, if for some reason I I you know I'm not I try to be as real to myself as I can. I don't have the following that any of those guys have, so why he would even why that would even become a possibility, I have no idea. But if it was like, hey, you can get three million dollars if you like leave your contract for a little bit, then maybe. But, you know, right now I'm happy where I'm at. I, I'd much rather fight in the UFC than fight Jake Paul. I mean, I'm just thinking maybe he wants to clear out Rufus Sport. He, you know, he, he wants to knock everybody off the list. <laughs> then Biggie Rhodes will be next. The opponents will just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, I, I mean, he ain't going to get past Woodley, so that's, you know, <laughs> it's not you anyway. But if he ever wanted to fight me and, like, give me a huge payday, I, I guess I would. I'd have a hard time turning that down and, you know, Biggie's always available. So if he really wants to get starched by a true striker, we can we can make that happen. Yeah, I would like to see him box Biggie. I, I think that that should be the uh, the next the next step. Have have him and Biggie box, uh, open weight, and just have Biggie you know come after him. Oh God, that would be. <laughs> he, yeah, he'd have to sign like a, a couple extra waivers and get you know have the doctors just ready for him because that kid would get messed up. I wanted to ask you about another thing that's going on in Rufus Sport. Uh, I was very much against people pitting Sergio Pettis and Ralphion Stotts against one another because Ralphion at the time uh, was not, I guess he was ranked number four or five. And I said, you know what, let, let him face um, Magomedov or let him face um, Archuleta, something along those lines, and then we can start talking about it. It looks like now this conversation kind of has to be had uh, because Stotts just looked unbelievable in his last fight. Yeah, man, Rafa looked amazing. I mean, I've never seen anybody handle Magomedov like that. Of course, I haven't seen the Peter Jan fights, so, you know, maybe those look similar, but Rafa was on, you know what I mean? And I would hate for them to be in a position to fight each other, but if they have to and it's for the belt, that's like best-case scenario, right? So I think he was smart to call out the uh, the Grand Prix idea. And, you know, it's perfect time right now. They got two teammates. They got a bunch of other names uh, that would fit perfectly. You know, you could, um, 
Rob's been trying to fight, uh, I forget, the Apache Mix and another Irish kid, and they kept turning him down before. Now he just beat Magomedov. So you could have Surge on one side of the bracket versus, uh, you know, Apache Mix or the other Irish cat or even Magomedov, and then you can have Roth on the other end versus an Archuleta and spread everybody out. And, you know, if they meet at the end, they meet at the end. And, you know, we'll sport takeover for Bellator. It is what it is. But, you know, that that would be the way to maximize all of that for everybody. They get the most money. Bellator gets the best fights possible, and none of those guys can say no to fighting each other because they'll be stuck in that bracket. Yeah, I like that idea. I think that that makes sense because you don't want to put these guys against each other um, like right away. I mean, I think that it's better if we see how the dominoes fall in the division. And uh, it looks like Patchy Mix and Gallagher are now matched up together. So um, that would be a good first fight for the tournament if they are going to go in that direction. And it, all indications point to that being what they're going to do. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, those are the two guys that kind of like either refuse to fight. Uh, I think they refuse, both refuse to fight Roth. And then maybe they called out Surge. Uh, but again, you can kind of mix and match the different guys because they haven't. Luckily, uh, neither Serge or Roth has wiped out the division completely just yet. So there's still guys they haven't fought, right? So like I said, you mix it up, put them in different ends of the bracket. You know, you get all the dream matchups you want. And, you know, everybody wins. Mix it up. See, that's a good one. Patchy mix, mix it up. The dad jokes are just flowing from you, Gerald. I love it. I'm on fire today. <laughs> Any good albums you've been listening to? Uh, you were you were a big help to me when the pandemic hit. I needed someone to talk to about music, and uh, I saw you playing the the saxophone. And uh, was it the saxophone or the horn? The sax, right? The saxophone. Yeah, you were playing the sax. Yeah. We we got to talk about uh, music. So what what have you been listening to leading up to this fight? If you've had any time? Ah uh, man, I haven't really like taken a deep dive or listened to music like with the intention of listening to music just being busy with everything like i'll have it on you know i'll have you know uh 2000s and early 90s hip-hop on or something like when i'm working out especially or you know maybe i'll have some like metal on or stuff when i have to lift heavy for some of my strength and conditioning days but otherwise i've just been kind of one track minded on getting you know getting through this and listening to you know podcasts and stuff one track mind. See, Gerald, they're just they're just flowing. I mean, these jokes they're just coming right. It's just you, you become a dad, and then suddenly the puns start flying. Yeah, I don't even have to try anymore. It just comes out. This is just who I am now. I, I pretty much you, I'm not physically wearing white New Balances, but I might as well. So you mentioned you listen to metal when you're lifting, and you listen to hip hop when you're training. Is that was that what the uh, the routine is? Yeah, pretty much. I need to like angry. You know, shouting music if I'm going to lift heavy objects. And I like to listen to something that's, you know, still hard but has some rhythm if I'm training MMA because you got to, you know, you got to be a little loose out there. So that's usually my uh, my game plan. So what is it, what's your go-to or is it like a playlist type situation? Nah, it's, there's no like go-to. I mean, uh, lifting, if I like pick out a song, it'll be something like off of uh, Metallica's very first album, Kill Em All. Um, but otherwise I'll just like put something on Pandora, you know what I mean? Or, you know, some radio station like hip hop bar Q on, uh, Pandora. That's the other one for MMA. All right. I like it. Well, I always love speaking with you, Gerald. Best of luck against, uh, Mahmoud Muradov this weekend. Great to see you back in action. Great to hear that the baby's sleeping through the night more importantly, because that's uh, <laughs> that's a gift in and of itself. And I uh, look forward to speaking with you again soon.
Yeah, man, I appreciate you having me on again, Aaron. It's good talking to you. He is a middleweight finalist on this season's Ultimate Fighter, taking on his teammate, Gilbert Urbina. He is Brian Battle. He was the last pick on his team, but this past weekend we saw Gastelum in the main event, the guy that's fought for the interim middleweight title. Is he an inspiration for you, seeing a guy like that and how far he's come in the division? Uh, it's funny. There's been uh, a lot of Gastelum, uh, you know, references made during my entire time on The Ultimate Fighter. And, you know, he is, I mean, he's someone that I really enjoy watching fight. But, you know, he's not really um, anyone I necessarily draw, like, specific motivation from. You know, he just happens to be, like, an excellent fighter with a who was in a similar circumstance to me. So, um even if Kelvin Gastelum wasn't there, I would have did what I did, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, no, I mean, but it is it is kind of nice to be uh, associated with someone who's been as successful as Kelvin Gastelum is. So, yeah, it, it's pretty cool. Did you draw motivation from that situation, from being the last pick? Uh, from being the last pick? Yeah, facts. Um, yeah, because, you know, once again, regardless, you know, you're always there to show that you're the best. And even if you get picked first, you still have to prove that you're worthy of that first pick. But, um, you know, I, I guess, you know, it's just like a human nature thing to be picked last, you know, it, regardless of how much time they had to, like, look at information and evaluate us. You know, it all it's always going to hurt. It's always going to sting. So, you know, yeah, I absolutely use that as motivation all the way uh, up until now, up until, you know, you know, my last training session. Well, one thing that you can't determine from watching people work out in, in the fashion that they did, that we learned about you as the show went on, is that you're kind of a sponge. You, you soak up this information really quickly and you're able to execute it. Uh, did, you, did you learn a lot from Volkanovsky and his coaches uh, for that reason? Um, man, I try to learn everything I could. You know what I'm saying? I mean, um, I think a lot of it has to do with your approach to it. Um, you know, we're talking about the world champion here. So obviously, you know, he knows things and he's capable of things that I'm currently not capable of. He knows things that I don't know yet. So it would be ridiculous if, you know, uh, I didn't try to learn as much as I possibly could from him. So, um, yeah, man, I mean, that's just, uh, and you know, that's just, you know, the approach with MMA uh, in general, the, the game's always growing. The game's always changing. So, you know, if you're not constantly learning new things and you're going to get left behind, we've seen that happen to fighters a lot where they, you know, they get hot for a little bit and then they get left behind. So, um, yeah, I, um, I learned as much as I could from Vulcan. We, I could, I didn't learn as much as I would have liked to because, uh, we had to spend most of the time game planning, uh, for my fights, but, uh, as much as I could, and I didn't learn, there was so much more I could have learned. That's what I'll say. I recognize that much that there was so much more I could have learned, but yeah, I learned as much as I could. Yeah. Well, just looking at your history, you've only been fighting pro for just over two years, but then I look at your amateur results. You got wins over Cody Brundage, over uh, Impa Kasangani, who's in the UFC right now. So you've been around the block. What, what took you so long to turn professional? Well, I mean, it didn't even take me uh, that long to turn pro. I mean, I I just fought a lot in a short amount of time. You know, I fought. Um, 10 amateur fights in, you know, two years, you know, um, uh, turning pro was just more like, cause once you go, when you're an amateur, you could fight the best competition and there's really no repercussions for losing. You know what I'm saying? Uh, if you lose, you know, you drop in, you know, some kind of 
uh, arbitrary national ranking. You know what I'm saying? As a pro, there's money on the line. There's, you know, stakes at being, you know, in the UFC on the line. So, um, you know, I, I would definitely say to anyone who's coming up, don't rush your amateur career. Take your time in your amateur career. Fight tough people in your amateur career because um, I would definitely say fighting people like Impa, fighting people like Cody gave me a lot of confidence when I did turn pro. And I was like, all right, you know, the guys I fought as an amateur are killing it in the pros, so can I. So, uh, yeah, I, it, I, I'm happy with how long I took to turn pro. So how long did you think you were going to be fighting Trayshawn Gore for? When did you find out that you had a new opponent? Uh, I really only figured out right before you guys did, to be completely honest. Um, I, I thought I was going to be fighting Trayshawn Gore right up until last week. So, um, you know, it, it's it's weird. It's kind of a bummer. Um, me and Trayshawn, we were supposed to fight each other several times on the, the regional scene. So, you know, it's kind of a bummer that we don't get to fight again this time. But, you know, I, I'm not even worried about that anymore. Like, now my whole undivided focus is on Gilbert. So, um, you know, sorry that, you know, Trey had to pull out with an injury. But, you know, Gilbert Gilbert's the guy now. So he's all I'm thinking about. Have you seen Gilbert since you've gotten there? Because obviously you guys must have had a relationship with one another from being on the same team on the show. Um, no, I haven't seen Gilbert since I know he's out here. I know he's, uh, getting some good work in. I haven't seen him since I've gotten here. Uh, and you know, we're going to see each other eventually. It's going to be cordial. Like me and Gilbert, we don't have any bad blood, but, um, we're both also out here for a reason. You know what I'm saying? I don't think he's gonna, uh, have any problems with hurting me. Uh, and I know I won't have any problems with hurting him when it's time to, you know, fight for the title of the ultimate fighter. Well, if you don't see him in your travels, you're definitely going to see one of the Urbina family members because his corner, he told me, I spoke to him about 30 minutes ago, are going to be his three brothers, Johnny, um, Hector, and uh, Elias Urbina, two of, two of whom uh, have been on The Ultimate Fighter themselves. Now, uh, it, it's funny. Right after I was on this show, I actually ran into two of his brothers at a, um, a really small local show that I had a couple of my teammates fighting on because, um, you know, one of his brothers lives out uh, where I do, um, you know, building houses and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, they're, they're nice guys too. You know, I've met them. They're, they're real cool dudes. Um, so yeah, like I said, I'm sure we'll all run into each other. You know, there won't be any bad blood, you know, there, you won't see any, uh, any, uh, monster cans getting thrown at anybody, no chairs getting thrown through any buses. No, no bad blood for this one, just business, you know? Well, absolutely. It's good to hear that. And it's good to see that Team Volkanovski has four fighters in the finals. I mean, it was a rough start for your team early on. Absolutely. Uh, what does that mean to you to see so many fighters from your team uh, get, get to where they need to be in this, in this tournament? Man, it's really awesome, um, especially because uh, the, losing the first four, you know, it was devastating because the, the guys who lost those first four fights, they're all really, really good, really, really talented fighters. So it was hard to watch them lose those fights. And then it was hard, you know, um, you know, cause Volk was genuinely invested in all of us and all the coaches were genuinely invested in all of us. So it was just like, um, such a bummer, you know what I'm saying? Losing those fights. And then the way that Ortega's coaches were acting, uh, it just like, we knew that it was like losing another fight just wasn't, wasn't the move. And, you know, you saw that we won the next seven fights 
and uh, now Gilbert's in the finale. So there's no team we're taking the finale just the way we wanted it to be. Uh, and yeah, man, uh, it's it's pretty cool. It's pretty surreal. You know what I'm saying? All all Volk finale is all the Volk boys, the good guys. You know what I'm saying? So. Uh, it, it, and it's funny because it doesn't really mean anything in the large scheme of things. This is an individual sport, so it really shouldn't mean anything. But it it does. Uh, it is kind of cool to have all all my teammates being uh, the guys who are participating in the finale. Now there is one member of Team Ortega that's actually participating on the event, uh, not in the finale. But that's uh, Andre Petrosky. He's taking on your teammate um, Michael Gilmore, who came into the show midway through. Uh, tell me about that fight, and what do you think Michael's chances are? Obviously, he took a fight on very short notice, had to do a pretty severe weight cut, it looked like, to get into the fight, lost that fight, but now he's going to have had a full camp. Do you think that's going to make a big difference against a guy like Petroscu? I think a lot of people probably thought would have been the favorite to win in your division uh, based on where the guys were picked. Yeah, uh, and actually, Mike was on Team Ortega, too, so it's actually two Team Ortega guys going against each other. Um, and... Yeah, um, dude, that's an interesting fight. That's a really interesting fight. Um, obviously, I think Petrovsky has the advantage on the ground. I think um, Petrovsky has the advantage on the ground against the vast majority of people uh, in our division. Uh, Mike, you know, he's a really tough guy, really uh, crafty guy. And, you know, I got to be honest, I really actually haven't seen too much from Mike, you know, because we weren't on the same team, so I didn't get to train with him. Um, you know, he had that short notice fight with Gilbert, so we didn't get to see a whole lot out of that. So I'm really uh, looking forward to that fight and seeing how uh, Mike Mike shows up, what Mike, what Mike brings to the table in this fight. Yeah, Gilbert has a pretty interesting path to the finals. He had that situation where he ends up fighting Gilmore instead of the uh, the opponent that got injured on the show, and now he, yeah. he ends up in the finale after what happened to Trayshawn. So uh, it's I guess yeah. you know he seems like a really good kid, and it, it's nice that he's had this kind of good luck. Uh, going for him uh, heading into the situation, dude. I mean, you know, Gilbert. You know, he's good people. You know what I'm saying? Uh, nice guy. Um, and you know, it says a lot that you know he's ready to step up uh, on a moment's notice like this. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, big shout out to Gilby. Um, but you know. Like I said, I mean, I guess the the the, the story's got to end somewhere, and I guess the story's ending with me. So um, I'm looking forward to having a fun fight in the in the cage on Saturday. Well, I think it certainly speaks to the professionalism of everybody on the show. You didn't see any uh, real beefs between any of the two teams, at least the contestants. Uh, I think that really shows the evolution of mixed martial arts and and how professional everybody is uh, going into the UFC. Uh, so kudos to you. I, I think you've been a true professional on the show, and I'm looking forward to watching Thank you compete you. in the finale against uh, Gilbert Urbina. Best of luck to you, and hope to speak with you again soon. I appreciate it. I look forward to talking to you again. Many, many more times in the future, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Thanks again. If you've watched The Ultimate Fighter, you're familiar with the last name Urbina because they've been on 10% of the seasons. You've got Elias Urbina, Hector Urbina, and now Gilbert Urbina, who's made it to the finals of The Ultimate Fighter Season 29. What would it mean to be the first Urbina to win the Ultimate Fighter? You know what? It's going to happen. I'm going to be the first Urbina to be the Ultimate Fighter. All right. Well, you've already become the first finalist from the Urbina families. You're already a step ahead, but I'm glad that you're, you're, uh, you're, you're taking it already. You're manifesting the win. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, uh, got to have the faith, man.
All right. Well, I certainly have faith in you. I've always loved your attitude from watching this season of the show. Uh, it seems like you've uh, just, just got this real uh, air of happiness about you. And uh, it's great to see that you've made it to the finals against Brian Battle, your teammate. Uh, tell me a little bit about Brian and, and your relationship with him and, and him as a fighter. You know, Brian's a cool guy, man. He, uh, he works hard, and uh, we're going to get into a big scrap. So the last episode of the show was yourself and Treshawn Gore. Uh, Treshawn ended up winning the fight, got injured, is no longer on uh, the show. Have you caught any flack for that? Because I've seen people say, oh, why, why would Gilbert get the shot? He just lost last week. But people forget that this show was taped like three months ago. So is this just a recency bias that people have? You know, I just feel like people are going to say what they want to say regardless. But, uh, you know, the UFC called me. And uh, I, know, I know they know why they called me. Well, they, everybody should be on your side. You, you made it to the semis. There were four fighters in the semis, and you're the last man standing, right? You're the only guy who hasn't fought Brian Battle uh, of the guys in the semis that, that is healthy. So it, it should be you. You know, I, I thought that too, but, you know, there's a lot of thinking that can go around, and a lot of people love to think, but uh, I'm here to do, man. I'm here to win. Well, this isn't the first time we've seen a circumstance like this, so uh, certainly nobody should take anything away from your performance on the show. I think, I think you've been fantastic on the show. Uh, Brian Battle, uh, tell me a little bit about him and what you think of his style. Uh, he's got a good style. He, uh, he trains out there in the Carolinas. Uh, the boys on the East Coast, they fight hard. Can't take nothing away from them. Um, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a great guy, man. Great, uh, great training partner on, on Tough. Uh, I wish him the best, but uh, this fight's mine, man, and, uh, you know, we're, we're both blessed. We're all blessed, man. Well, it's good to see uh, four members of Team Volk all in the finals, uh, two of whom are from Texas, yourself and Ricky Turcio, who I actually just spoke to a couple minutes ago. Uh, what's it like to see your team get represented in such a way at, at the end of the show, especially given how the show started with uh, Team Ortega just running the table for the first four episodes? You know, it, it's, it's cool. The Volk boys are here, man. Uh, we had a lot of love going throughout the season, you know, and uh, it's just, it's cool to see us all out here. You know, we all, we all manifested this. Um, regardless of the, the minor setback, I'm here for a, a major compilation. I'm taking over. Your brother I told Elias. myself this, I told myself this uh, weeks ago, man, and uh, I made my way out to Austin like a couple weeks ago, started training with Craig Jones after the season and uh you know just just processing everything man from the loss to to how i'm gonna get better how i'm gonna get into the ufc and how i'm gonna win as soon as i get my shot your brother elias isn't that much older than you he's only two years older than you i know hector's retired but is elias still going is he still hoping to get another shot at the ufc oh yeah eli's eli's firing man that boy's that boy's that boy's ice cold. That's all I got to say. If if I'm fired, he's ice. You know what I mean? That boy. That boy is cold. Uh, he was super excited to to see that Ultimate Fighter went 185s, and you know he scoped out the competition that I was fighting. He, he liked the matchups. He said he wishes he was on the show too. Uh, you know, I think Eli Eli could have taken the show as well if he was on this season, but uh, he had his shot. It's my shot now, and. Uh, I'm going to reach my hand down for my brother and bring him on up to the UFC. All right. Well, I like that kind of spirit, but I, I'm, I'm eager to hear 
with three Urbina brothers, all of whom have basically made it to the UFC or, or thereabouts. I guess your brother Elias was on uh, the Ultimate Fighter and the Contender Series, I believe, or, or just the Ultimate Fighter. But either way, there must have been some interesting stories of your upbringing in that house with, with yourself, Elias, and Hector. Give me a crazy story that happened uh, somewhere along the line in your home. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> it's funny that you say that, but right now, uh, the oldest, Hector, was talking smack to my little brother, Johnny, saying he was going to roll him up. So they literally just went over to the room next door where they have some mats for us to work out in. And they're like, we'll be right back. We're going to go handle this shit. So it's, it's funny, man. It's been like that our whole lives. Like, just having brothers around me is like, it makes me feel almost invincible, you know. I'm, I know I'm not, but uh, no one really is. But uh, it, makes me, it makes me feel a lot of confidence, you know, in, uh, in the work. And the help they help me with, mentality, physicality, you know, they're just looking after me. The best guidance you could ever have. It's a team within a team, and we're Team Urbina. Are we going to see Johnny somewhere along the line? You've exposed that there's you now another John, brother in the mix. Johnny's, Johnny's the fourth horseman, man. He's, he's, <laughs> he's, he's ice cold himself, too. He, uh, he's still 18. Um, we're definitely going to prep him up, get him ready, and... Uh, I think he's going to give it a crack soon, man. He's been training with me ever since I got back from, from the tough house. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's sharp, man. He's a big boy right now. He's, he's, he's Chef John, but he's, he actually cooks my meals and stuff. Me and my brother's meals. He's been doing culinary for a couple of years now. But, uh, yeah, man, Johnny Boy is one to watch out here real soon. I've, I've got to back up the truck here for a second because – how old is Hector? Hector's got to be like 37 or something. Like, is he 20 years older than Johnny and they, they still scrapped it out? You know, Hector, <laughs> Hector, I think is 32 right now. Okay. And uh, yeah, Johnny's 18. So dude, Hector, Hector still got it too, man. I ain't going to lie. Like, I don't mean to toot our horns and shit, but like, these guys are the ones that whoop my ass every day. You know what I mean? I'm in the finale, but these guys are like, these guys are the finalists too, you know? <laughs> Yeah, with I, lo me. And I be, love that. And they'll be, yeah, and they'll be in my corner. You know, I have, I have three brothers. They'll be in my corner. I don't even. This might be the first time ever the UFC has four brothers going into an octagon together. So that's going to be your corner. It's going to be. It's going to be Johnny, Elias, and Hector. Yes, sir. Team Urbina. That's super cool. Well, I mean, regardless of what happens, the, you should contact Fight Pass and get like a sitcom going with you and your brothers, the, Urb the Urbinas, the Fighting Urbinas. That's that's what we've been talking about. A lot of people lately have been telling us that like we were spending time in Austin and they're like, man, you guys need a TV show like to see what you guys are up to. And it's like, it's cool. It's, it's something to think about. But right now I'm focused on what I got to do this weekend. So where did you train for this fight? Just at home? Uh, I trained at home a little bit. And I also trained uh, in Austin, Texas with uh, 10th Planet Austin. They opened their doors to me and uh, at the, the B team with uh craig jones i've always wanted to go out to austin what's it like out there you know they always say austin is pretty weird man and you know i i love it though it's it's a great time it's different it's got its own style you definitely got to check it out man texas texas is a nice place well i've been to houston i've been to dallas that's still on my list though is austin but uh i like those two cities you guys have some great beer and great food out there so i'm, I'm a big fan of uh the state of texas for that reason Oh, yeah. Got to throw up them horns, bro. Throw up uh, them yeah, horns. Hook them, hook them horns. That was my team when I was uh, in university. I was a big fan of TJ Ford, the point guard for the Texas Longhorns. And when he ended up on the Raptors, I was a happy man. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I was man. also a big Vince Young guy. Yeah. 
Okay. <laughs> yeah, man, that's that's awesome. I'm glad you I'm glad you're repping Texas too, bro. Good to see what side you're on. Yeah, well, we're we're here north of the border, but yeah, I used to I used to wear my uh, my burnt orange hat uh, probably about 25 years ago, just uh, as, as a younger guy. Well, anyways, thanks for this. Uh, thanks for your time. Looking forward to it, uh, Gilbert, and uh, can't wait to see you and the, the Fighting Urbina brothers represent uh, on Saturday. It's the Ultimate Fighter finale. Yourself taking on Brian Battle, Team Volkanovski representing. Appreciate your time. Thank you, bro. All blessings, man. Pleased to be joined now by Ricky Tercios, who is calling this the gold medal matchup of the bantamweight division for the Ultimate Fighter, taking on Brady Heastand. And when this show started, before the teams were picked, I saw you working out. I saw your attitude. I saw that Ortega kind of said you were a bit of a weird guy, and he was a little bit worried about that. But I liked it, and I'm happy for you. I, you're somebody who I, I was cheering for all along. I know we've got to be, remain impartial here in media, but I'm happy to see that you've made it to the big, uh, the big show. Hey, it's, it's, it's incredible. It's a dream come true, like I was saying, bro. And uh, I'm so thankful that uh, now, you know what I'm saying, as I stand here, we do this interview on Saturday. I step back into the octagon for another epic battle, you know what I'm saying? Hey, and Lord willing, I'm gonna get this victory again. Let's go, baby. Well, Brady's been a surprising, uh, I guess, uh, contestant on this show because heading into the, tur the tournament, he didn't have a very good record in terms of the guys that he faced. All of his combined wins are against a guy with one, with one win. And then he started just running through the veterans on the show and has been really surprising people. You're one of the veterans on the show. Tell me about Brady and were you surprised to see how well he did? Yeah, I would say that they assembled, like I said, they assembled a, a, a star-studded cast of characters for the show. You feel me? Everybody in that, in the, in the whole house, they were all studs from middleweight to bantamweight. But as well, in our bantamweight bracket, we had a lot of strong, strong competitors, you know. On any given night, anybody could have won, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, Brady made it to the, to the finale like this. He is my opponent now, you know what I'm saying? And uh, yeah, man, this is, this is a wild thing. Now we're going to have to settle it inside the octagon on Saturday. Now you've been on the Contender Series before. I think it was at the UFC gym, not the uh, UFC Apex when you were on it. But you did get to feel the uh, UFC atmosphere uh, that time around. How does this time feel different? Yeah, the Contender Series fight at the, uh, at the original tough gym, the, the original UFC gym like this, you know what I mean? That There's history in there. I'm so thankful that... Back in 2017, I was able to have fought on the uh, on the first episode of Contenders ever. You know what I mean? That's a memory I'll have dear to me. Even though that that day I didn't uh, I didn't come out with the victory. You know, I'm thankful that I came back to Vegas and I got redemption. You know what I'm saying? Won two times this time inside the octagon for the Ultimate Fighter. You know what I'm saying? And now here I stand now going into my first official UFC fight now. And now it's time to become the Ultimate Fighter champion. Inshallah, I'm gonna do it, bro. You feel me? Well, maybe in that tough gym, something about it wore off, you know, rubbed off on you, and that's that's how you ended up back on the Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, I definitely thought that um, whenever I sent in my applications, whenever they were uh, they announced that the Ultimate Fighter was coming back, I definitely knew in my heart that I had a, a strong feeling that, you know, me being on episode one of the Contenders, that uh, that would definitely put me in the running for being one of the top picks to to uh, be on this season of the Ultimate Fighter, you feel me? I'm glad that they that they picked me. I'm glad that uh, you know I went into that octagon, they had everything on point, 
You feel me on that? Got those wins in the first round, in the semifinal round. I earned this spot now here on the finale this weekend. I'm fighting fighting it with the, in the main event is Edson Barboza versus Giga. Oh, man, this is awesome, bro. That boy, Barboza, dude, I'm, a, I'm such a huge Barboza fan. I'm a UFC fan first, too, you know what I'm saying? Like, or I'm a huge UFC fan, like I'm saying. You know what I mean? I'm a martial artist as well, too, like this. And not only am I a fan, but now I get to stand here as the UFC fighter like this, you know what I'm saying? I'm focused. I'm ready to go. I'm ready for another epic battle this Saturday. You feel me on that? I'm going to be like this the whole time. Let's go. Pop, pop, pop. <laughs> And you'll finish it with a Hadouken. That's your nickname. I'm a Street Fighter enthusiast myself, so I love seeing it. Oh, uh, yeah, bro. Hey, you know, got to do something, too, for the crowd as well. You feel me on that? I, I, since I was a young boy, I always sh shot the Hadouken the way I did it, too. I remember I, I, I freaking my very first amateur fight. I pulled out my mouthpiece. I threw the mouthpiece at the crowd. I missed. I hit the camera guy. Oh, dang. That was lame. What can I do to be cool? Oh, here we go. Thought in the mat. Oh, boom. I do it. Shot it at the crowd. Then I did something cool. So ever since then, always did it, baby. <laughs> Have you ever done one in fight? My, my fellow Canadian, Shaolin Shane Campbell, actually threw one in the fight. Is that something we'd ever see yeah. you do? <laughs> yeah, you know. I've never done it in the fight. I, I probably never would also. I, I, I definitely like to stay more disciplined within the fight, stay in the focus. There are shenanigans, you know what I mean? Or not shenanigans, but there'll be times within the fight there's, there's like banter and things of this nature that happens within the fight, you know what I mean? From the subtle little things you're doing with your eyes, from the subtle little things you're doing with your hands to even there could be conversations that you have amongst your opponent from, oh yeah, like that, that landed good, or, or like, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like true, like anime stuff like this, whenever y'all are, y'all are having that conversation in the battle, so those are little shenanigans I get into now and then, but, uh, you know, I think shooting the Hadouken is a little bit too crazy to do it, <laughs> I try to stay more focused and more disciplined. All right, well, at least I got to shout out Shane Campbell during the interview, so I'm always happy to do that. Uh, it, um, in your fights, you look back at your history, it took you a while to get to the UFC, but you're still very young, you're still only 27, I believe. Um, when you look back at your history, it seems like you faced pretty much every type of fighter, every style of fighter. Do you think that that's something you're going to have an advantage over Brady with? I don't think he's seen a fighter like you before that can give him all kinds of different looks. In my time, I faced tall guys, short guys, you know what I'm saying? Uh, wrestler guys, grappler guys, striker guys, et cetera, et cetera, through, 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 through all the years that I've been competing in mixed martial arts, you know. And for sure, I'm, I'm thankful for that. You know, everything happens. Your time comes when it's your time, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, at 28, I'm happy that, uh, you know, I've made, it, I've made it here to this point right here through, through all of the ups and the downs. You learn from your losses, you learn from your wins, you know what I mean? And here I go, stepping into the octagon once again. And for sure, I definitely believe that the experience is very important, you know what I mean? I definitely, it gives me more confidence as I enter into this fight on Saturday. You had one phone call on the show, and you called your dad, who I think is living in El Salvador. I saw in a previous interview you did that he got, I guess, deported. Am, am I right on that? And if so, is that the hardest thing you've ever had to deal with in your life, given how close you are with him? Yeah, I would definitely say that um, when for, for the family, that was definitely something that, uh, you know, was, was uh, hard for the family, you know what I'm saying? But again... To, to be real as well, we are all very strong. Everybody in our family from uh, my mom, my dad, my brother, uh, my, my grandmothers, my, my, my aunts and my uncles, you know what I'm saying? And uh, it's important, the love within the family staying strong. You feel me on that? And I believe that this was one of the reasons that, uh, you know, we always, we've always been so, so, so tight. And the love that we all share together 
gives us this gave us strength through the hard times and things of this nature you know what i mean and uh so it's like man even though things were a certain way then you know what i'm saying and, and through the times you know what i mean hey that's life you know what i mean life has the ups and the downs the black and the white you know what i mean but you know it's the process and it brings you to where you are and, and presently right now where I, where we we are here at this moment, you know what I mean? We are all blessed. We've been blessed, you know, me and my family. And I, I'm just so thankful. I really am, you know what I mean? It, it's, a, it's a real dream come true, not only for myself, but for my mom and my dad and for all of my family, you know what I'm saying? It, it's, just, it's so great. It brings a little tear to my eye, you know what I'm saying? For real, it's awesome. When was the last time you were with your dad? Are you going to see him sometime after this fight, hopefully? Yeah, for after this fight, me and the whole family. I mean, my mom, she's already down there right now. She went down to El Salvador. Uh, her, her, my mom and my dad, they're going to be watching the fight together out there in El Salvador. So I'm very happy for that. You know what I mean? That's great for them. They're going to, like, my UFC debut like this, fighting on the finale right here to, to, to become the ultimate fighter champ, inshallah, you know. Uh, they're going to be watching it together. The biggest fight of my career. How incredible. And uh, after I handle... All of the uh, all the business has been a long process, a lot of fights and everything like that. I'll be going down to El Salvador uh, later this year for sure. Me and the whole family, me and my dad, when we get to train and stuff like that, and me and my little brother together, uh, give some kisses, hugs, and everything like that. He'll get to meet my girlfriend Christina. You know what I'm saying? Be all of us, me, and my mom, my dad, all of us, play some board games together and stuff like that, and just just chill, hang back. That's what it's all about, man. You know, family's number one in life, so it's great. Oh my goodness. Well, don't go when you have a fight lined up because you won't be able to enjoy the El Salvadoran foods, the pupusas, the, all the different uh, great cuisine out there. El Salvadoran food, to me, is among the top three food cuisines. I'm in a city called Scarborough, Scarborough, Ontario. It's the most diverse food city in the world. And El Salvadoran food is, is near the top of the power rankings. Let's go, baby. Yeah, whenever I pull up to El Salvador, you know, it definitely, uh, I, I definitely am sure will be in the open season with uh, no fight lined up or something. So I'm going to be grubbing down on some pupusas, baby. <laughs> All right, well, hopefully we get to see one final Hadouken this weekend uh, and you'll get that six-figure contract. Uh, best wishes to you. It's uh, a pleasure getting to speak with you and, and feel your infectious energy for myself. Uh, look forward to it and hope, hope to speak with you again sometime in the future. I really appreciate it, Aaron. Thank you, brother. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Boom. He's in the bantamweight finale of The Ultimate Fighter Season 29. He is Brady Heestand representing the Pacific Northwest. Uh, so, Brady, tell me about how this whole experience was for you. You're, you're not the most experienced guy on the show, but you ended up uh, getting all the way to the finale, beating these seasoned veterans, and now you're facing another seasoned ve veteran in uh, Ricky Tercios. Yeah, no, it was a crazy experience being on the show. It was uh, it was really cool. I learned a lot, and, you know, I'm just blessed to be here. I'm blessed uh, for the opportunities I got, and uh, I'm going to run with it. I'm going to keep climbing in the UFC. So got one more opponent in front of me, like you said, another veteran. You know, Ricky's tough, and I'm excited for this challenge. Well, I've got to say, admittedly, I was a bit of a skeptic uh, re uh, regarding your resume coming into the show. I noticed you, you haven't fought a lot of guys that have, uh, you know, a lot of wins on their record. But then I spoke to Michael Chiesa, and he told me, that he called the producers and vouched for you because he, he sees how hard you work in the gym. He sees how good you are. Did you just have a lot of trouble getting fights on the regional scene against top talent that uh, were fighting in the Pacific Northwest? No, for sure, especially because, you know, the gym I train at, the people I train with, and, uh, you know, the way I perform my fights, even though they're not against, you know, super tough guys, I, I've always performed really well. And so being so young, I, it's been hard to find a high-level, you know, uh, 
high level of competition. No one wants to lose to a 20, 20 year old, 21 year old. And so, yeah, like you said, it was, it was definitely hard finding competition, but you know, I'm just lucky I got this opportunity and obviously Mike wasn't wrong. I performed well. Yeah, he certainly was not wrong. And he said that he rarely plays, you know, the, uh, the card where he calls a producer and he makes a recommendation. He says, you know, I was on the show. I, I ne- you know, I won't call you unless it's something that, uh, that matters. And he said that, again, you were, you were the guy. <laughs> so what does that mean to you to have Michael Chiesa vouch for you like that? No, it's, 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 it's an honor, you know, especially like, you know, I, I train with him every day. So just getting that uh, recognition from a guy of just that's uh, at such a high level and you know, especially that's been through the same show as me and is now doing so well in the UFC. It's it's honestly a huge compliment, and I'm stoked about it. Well, I'll correct you because Michael Chiesa wasn't on the same show as you. He was on the live version yeah. of Tough, the hardest that's true. That's true. the hardest season of the show in the history of of the show. So he really made it through. I, I you're you're right. Yeah, I should I shouldn't downplay downplay his <laughs> season. He had more fights, and it was live, like you said. And he had he had so much adversity going through his season as well. So. You're right. Thanks for correcting me. <laughs> his, father passed, his father passed away while he was on the show, which is it's just unbelievable that he was able to make it through that. And then during the live edition, still rise to the top. So kudos to him. We've seen what a great fighter he's become. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, that's that's the that's best show, uh, you know story on tough I think I've ever heard of. You know, there's no one that's faced that adversity and come out on top in the history of ever. So that's cool. I'm with you. Yeah, the history of ever. That's a good way of putting it. Um, yeah. So the... the sh- show that he was on with you guys where he was there that was when you guys were kind of at rock bottom for team volk you guys had lost four shows in a row the the coaches on team ortega were being a bit chirpy and you know kiesa was like that's not really cool and my how the tables have turned you got four members of your team in the the finale uh for both of the weight classes yeah no i think especially around that time when after we experienced those four losses i think you know we all rallied together and even the guys that lost that was that was the cool thing about our team is even the guys that lost, they were there every day and they're helping us train. And, you know, the you know camaraderie really came out after those four losses and we really banded together and got, got our wins back. And we rode that streak almost the whole way through. So it was pretty incredible. Do you think it helps to be a younger guy on the show? I mean, like you mentioned, you're 22, but you don't really have, uh, I don't know if you have kids or you're married or anything like that, but I assume you're not because you are only 22 years of age. So when you're on the show, it's just kind of a cool experience to go, to go through at your age. You're not, you don't have too much at home that you miss at the time. Yeah, dude, it was, it was such a cool experience. You know, I, like you said, I don't have a wife or kids at home, so I wasn't really missing a whole lot. You know, I miss my family, my friends and, you know, all those people, but you know, this is this is my dream, and this is what I've been dreaming about since I was young. So just being able to put my whole energy, my whole mind, my whole body in, into this experience was, was incredible, and I enjoyed every second of it. Even much- the fact that I didn't have my phone. That, <laughs> that was the hardest part, but also I think the most rewarding part of the whole thing. Yeah, that's kind of a cool uh, thing. I mean, like I mentioned, you're from the Pacific Northwest. So you guys have a lot of uh, different, uh, you know, in terms of nature, you guys have a lot around you. But uh, do you, are you the type of guy that likes to have your phone with you at all times and you're, you're on the apps and you're, you're going? You know, sometimes like when I'm in my day-to-day, I'm on my phone a little too much, I think. But, you know, I like getting out in nature and I like disconnecting. I like going backpacking and I'm a big skier. I always go up to the mountains in the winter and, you know, I go backpacking in the summer. And so, yeah, I like disconnecting from my phone. I think it's healthy and it helps me like focus and kind of center myself. All right, so you can walk me through this then. You get your phone back. The show's over. How, how quickly do you dive right back into it, or do you try to stay uh, as far away from it as you can for as long as you can? 
No, I, I, I'm, I was pretty bad. I jumped right back into my phone. Well, mostly because I had to call my mom, my brother, you know, my coach, my teammates. I had a lot of people I wanted to talk to. So in, in that sense, I hopped right back onto my phone. But, you know, it, coming back from the show, I've learned to put my phone away, especially when I'm hanging out with people and, you know, especially the people that I really enjoy being around and care about. You know, I put my phone down and kind of more connect with them. And I think that's helped a lot. Well, you kind of have to be tight-lipped about the whole thing, too, because uh, you're home for, what, three months or something before the show even airs. Yeah, yeah, that was that was by far the hardest part of the whole thing, especially me being so excited, and I always have a smile on my face. And so being so excited that I was I won, but I wasn't able to tell anybody in my circle. It was, it was pretty hard. Obviously, I, I told my coach just because, obviously, I had to prepare for the fight, but... Um, yeah, to not tell a lot of people was was tough, especially everyone asking, you know, everyone trying to get little like tips out of me and all this stuff. I I had to be pretty pretty tight lipped about it. Are you allowed to lie to people and say that you lost on the show, and then they're just surprised when they watch your fight? You know, I never really like fully lied, but I, I joked with a lot of guys at the fire station. I'm like, yeah, but what if I got knocked down the first round? And they're like, oh, shit, did you get knocked out? Or I was like, no, but I got subbed. And I'm like, oh, they're like, what? And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm just kidding. I can't tell you. No, I actually won my knockout. No, I lost. And I would just kind of play with them a little bit. And so that was kind of fun. Yeah, so you're a, you're a, a, a firefighter. Are you full-time? No, I'm a, I'm a, have this, there's a program up in Spokane called Resident. So technically I'm a volunteer, but I lived at the station and I pull a certain amount of shifts. And they pay me, pay me a little bit, but it's more... Uh, experience building and it gives me a free place to live and kind of good training like that and they they pay for a lot of my schooling and stuff like that so it's a pretty cool program is that what you're looking to get into um in future years is becoming a firefighter you know my main focus right now is the ufc that's like what i'm honed in on i got all my search with the fire department i got all the things that i was looking for um i'm just gonna keep doing that you know volunteer status i don't think i'm gonna pursue full-time quite yet I'm going to stay focused on this UFC path. And, you know, I'm like you said, I'm young. I'm 22, and I'm, I'm in this position. I'm going to climb the ranks. I'm going to be in the UFC for a long time. I'm looking to have a long career here. All right, be honest with me for a second. Did, did Kiesa know that you had made it to the finals? Yes, he did. <laughs> well, he was on the show. He kind of knew. But, uh, you know... I had to tell some people, and he's my, one of my main training partners. I ain't going to lie to you. I had to tell Kiesa. Well, the reason I ask is I interviewed him before he fought Luke recently. And, uh, you know, I talked about you, and he said, yeah, Brady's got, you know, he's, he's facing Vince Murdoch next week on the show. But he knew what had happened, but he was, he was just very cool about it. So kudos to him. He kept a good straight face. I, I was convinced that he had no idea what was uh, the outcome of the fight from speaking with him. Yeah, well, I mean, this isn't his first rodeo. You know, he was on the show, and even though that was live, we have another training partner, Juliana who was on the same situation as I was, where she had she did the show, they did the filming, and then she came back. So he 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 knew the he knew the ropes. He knew what to do. Not not divulge any information. Don't spill the beans. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so your yeah. opponent, Ricky Tercios, a very very interesting guy, very strange style. Um, how do you prepare for someone like that? Because I'm sure you haven't fought anybody like him in the past. There just aren't a lot of fighters like him. No, no, he's definitely an inter interesting guy. You know, like you said on in the cage and outside the cage he's definitely you know cool he's got a lot of energy he's all over the place he's uh he's pretty wild he's a wild man and so you know just preparing for that 
we got some training partners that kind of mimicked his style. You know, we're pretty similar, and uh, I got a lot of training in with them and a lot of mental preparation, just being aware that, you know, he's going to be making noises, he's going to be acting weird out there, but just, you know, doing my game plan and playing my fight. And it's like, that's the goal. It's not playing into his game. It's going to be my fight. Have you trained at Syndicate with Kiesa at all? Yeah, so actually when I first got back, I went down – when he was getting ready for Luke, he was training a lot at Syndicate. And so I went down there for a few weeks and, and did a lot of good training with them. See, the reason I ask is because Tercios reminds me of a cross between Tony Ferguson and Roxanne Modafferi. He's got like that crazy positive energy, yeah. but he's also just a kind of a weird guy. So it's kind of you take those two and you fuse them. If they had a kid, it would be like Ricky Tercios. It's funny you say that because I totally agree. I, after being at Syndicate, I, I talked with Roxanne a lot. She teaches jiu-jitsu classes, the kids jiu-jitsu, and I teach kids jiu-jitsu. So we kind of got along talking about that and so i saw a lot of similarities between her and ricky you know the positive energy and the spiritualness but yeah like you said he's kind of like tony with his weird style of uh of fighting it's kind of cool <laughs> absolutely well it's cool that you made it to the finale uh yourself taking on ricky tercios this saturday best of luck to you and hope with, uh, to speak with you again soon and many times in the future oh for sure this won't be the last thank you so much sir i appreciate it when you look this good, they call you Pretty Boy's Anthony Taylor, and he's taking on Tommy Fury, not Tyson Fury. Tommy Tyson Fury, you're already at a size disadvantage, but Tyson Fury, that would be a big. I've stood next to that guy; he's a mountain <laughs> of a man. But you're against Tommy Fury. Are people yeah. making too much of the size advantage? What? He's only six feet tall, and you're what five seven, five eight? Yeah, I mean, I'm not worried about the the height advantage about Tommy. Everybody I fought in MMA were like five eleven, six feet, and Christ's sakes, we've fought in four-ounce gloves. So me getting close to a guy that big shouldn't be a problem. Did you see the UFC card this past weekend? There was a girl named Estella Nunez. I think she's like 5'2". She was facing Bea Malecki, who's like 5'10". And uh, hey, I mean, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it was a beautiful matchup. I mean, she executed her game plan very well, close the distance, and she used a lot of her combinations that set it up. Yeah, so it was nice to see. Well, you've been in the, um, the Jake Paul camp for this, watching him train, how does he become? How did he become so good? I mean, like you know, I don't think a lot of people give him a ton of credit for being a good boxer, more for being a YouTuber. But what's his work ethic like, and how good of a boxer is he in your opinion? Uh, in your opinion, well, you know, I let people know Jake doesn't have to fight. He cho he chooses to fight. You know, Jake work ethic is so good. Is the fact that he wants to learn. He wants to be better. He wants to be a champion, and seeing him train, he trains six days a week, three times a day, and you have to applaud a man like that who's really taking it serious. You know, a guy who trains three years for boxing, they're going to go to the gym twice a week, but a guy who does it for three years and six times a week, man, his, his training work ethic is as if he was doing it for six and a half, seven years. He, he's improved as a fighter overall. He's gotten better at his timing. His IQ in the ring is really good you know and i tell people don't be surprised if you actually see him fight canelo in three years he's manifesting those and he's done a really good job his team that he has around him has done a really good job like jamie i love jacob chavez bj flores they're doing a really good job with jake and jake is coming on really fast on the boxing scene how well do you think you would do on, like, you know, the regional boxing scene if he was facing a guy that was, I don't know, like a three-in-one regional fighter? Would, would he be able to hang with a fighter like that in terms of boxing? Does he have the skill of somebody who is, I guess, moving up in the boxing world? 
Uh, absolutely. I've seen Jake spar guys with over 20, 30 wins and dominate them in the, in, in the ring. It's because he, he's smart. He moves he moves smart. He he plays he plays his game. The, he plays the hand that he plays the you know the cards in his hands. Jake has done a really good job with his training camp and the sparring the people he's brought in. These guys are no slackers <laughs> that he's bringing in. Every time these guys come in, Jalen loves everybody else. Hey, give them Jake really good work. Try to try to knock them down. They tell me that same thing. Try to knock them down. Give them some good work. Don't go easy on them. You know, and I see Jake can. Jake can actually take his game to the next level if he really keeps at it like what he's doing right now. Well, I think it's important also to talk about resources. You know, a lot of people get into boxing at a young age and they work their way up and, they're, and a lot of them don't come from, from great backgrounds or, or from high-income backgrounds. Jake Paul has tons of resources, almost infinite resources because of how much money he's made from being an influencer online. How important is that for somebody to, to be able to have that uh, when they're getting a head start in the world of boxing? I mean, being out there, what I learned from Jake, he said, Anthony, if you want to be successful in anything or in this game, build a team. Because when you build a team of people who knows much more than you do, you have more time to do what you want to do. Like, for instance, training. He has a team. He does his social media. Who does his filming. He does... He has his personal trainer, his strength conditioning coach. He has those type of guys there that's helping him get better. So he's not having to focus on 100% on marketing, um, videos, you know, content. He has people around him that he builds that helps him with that. So he focuses more on his training. And <clears throat> that's what he really emphasized to me much on building a team together. Speaking of your team, you train under the great Antonio McKee, and we saw what AJ McKee did to Pitbull. I mean, I'm sure you thought AJ was going to win that fight, but did you think he'd win it like that? Oh, absolutely. Like me, me and Pitbull, Pitbull was almost the same height, and and now you know, and being with AJ for six and for six and a half years, we were amateurs together. We both turned pro together. I mean, we manifested this day since day one. We've always. We've always talked about how he was going to finish him in the first round. That's how AJ mindset works. He's looking to get you out in the first round, and he's going to go all out to do it. If he can't do it, he's going to try to go all out in the second round to get you out. And, and the same applies for the third and the fourth and the fifth. You know, AJ's done a really good job, and Antonio has done an amazing job coaching AJ through tough and good times in his MMA career. All right, so be real with me here. AJ is clearly on the trajectory to become possibly one of the all-time greats, perhaps the greatest combat sports athlete that we've seen in mixed martial arts. But can he do that in Bellator? Does he need to go to the UFC at some point in time if he does want to have that legacy? I mean, I really can't speak on that per se, but I can speak on to the point where can he beat Conor McGregor? Yes. Can he beat Max Holloway and Brian Ortega? And, you know... And Volkanov, yes. I mean, look at AJ. He's a lefty. I don't know how many of those lefties are top five contenders, but you look at his striking. AJ possessed knockout power striking. He possessed quickness, and he obviously shows that he can submit you standing up and on the ground. I mean, when you look at Max Holloway, Max Holloway is just half hands. He's not a ground guy. AJ will take him down and destroy him on the floor. When you look at Brian Ortega, Brian Ortega is just a round guy. <laughs> Brian Ortega is definitely not being Darian Caldwell. 
and AJ would dominate Brian Ortega and knock him out. When you look at Volkanov, I mean, Volkanov's the same height as Pitbull. AJ has no problem with his kicks. And AJ possessed power in both his left and right kicks. And he's just uh, overall a great fighter, and he knows what he's doing. Listen, I believe all this. I, everything you're saying, I believe. But, and uh, you don't work for CAA. You, again, you can be real with me here. We need to see it. And I think that he needs to go to the UFC in order for us to see that. Do you agree? Because, listen, we can talk about how good he is, and, and he can beat this guy and this guy and that guy. But if he runs the table in Bellator, and he's almost done it already, running through that tournament, you look at the 145 division, not much left from there. You look at 155, I think he can run the table in that division too, and that's probably what's going to be next for him if I had to guess. But I think that people need to, instead of use their imagination, they want to see it. And I think that if he goes to the UFC, that's, that's kind of the logical next step after he runs through those two divisions. Again, you don't work for CAA. I just need you to be real with me here. <laughs> I, I, you want my honest opinion? Yes. AJ does need to be there. But that's something that's he's under contract and he's happy with Bellator right now on how what they're doing with them. We can't speak on fighter pay with the UFC. I can't even speak on it. You know, when Dana Dana and Jake have their debates, I don't work for the UFC. I've never you know, I don't fight under the UFC, so I don't know what they pay out and stuff. So I can only speak on my experience and what I see with my team. But I do who knows? Maybe you might see AJ Never come. You might not ever see AJ in the UFC. You know that's all depends on him and his team and what they want to do with CAA talking to Bellator themselves. You know, but I think it would be a fun idea seeing AJ in the UFC, which would be crazy to see it because look how Michael Chandler is. You know, but we all know AJ is the most talented fighter in in Bellator, and he's obviously the most talented fighter if he was to go to the UFC. What do you think is next for him, if you had to guess? Uh, I have my guesses, but I'm curious what you, what you have to say. Oh, as far as an opponent? Yeah. Um, I mean, I like Borix because Borix has been on a lengthy uh, win streak. You know, you got Borix. It's up, you know, if me personally, who I would like to see him fight, you know, Definitely Benson Henderson. I think I think that would be a great fight for AJ. Not because Benson Henderson is just dominant. It's just because he's a UFC legend. You know, wanting to share. I'm sure AJ would love to share share the cage with a with a legend in MMA. Period. Like as Benson Henderson. But who knows? I don't know what AJ thinks. You know, I'm just going off my opinion. <laughs> you know, but AJ. AJ's taking it one day at a time. He's enjoying himself, but remind you, he's in the gym training every single day. This guy's a team player. He's training his butt off, and he's get, helping everybody get better. We all want to get to where he's at, but it all takes time. Do you want to hear my opinion? Yes, go for it. Pitbull at 155. And if Pitbull's not available, the number one contender at 155 is Pitbull, the brother. He needs to win his next fight. But I think one of the two Pitbull brothers should be his next opponent, whether it's Patricio, if he wants to get that one back, he needs to put something up. He needs to put up that 155 title. And if he's not available, have him fight his brother. And then you just build that beef up more and more. I, I, he, I see a lot of Pitbull dominates. in his future. He, he dominates both the brothers. He, he would definitely dominate Patricio. No-brainer. No-brainer. He, he, he knocks out Patricio. Easy. If Michael Chandler was still here, Michael Chandler would be dead. Easy. You know, no one possessed what AJ possessed, you know, and that's 
and that's tenacity and heart. The will of fire. You know, AJ's done a really good job with that. This fight against Tommy Fury, is this your biggest payday to date? Absolutely. The biggest. Like, look, I fought for Bellator five times. And <laughs> I'm getting paid three times now than I did with Bellator. I mean, look, if I win this fight, which I know I will, hey, I might stay in boxing. You know, a lot of people don't know my background. I had a 12-1 and amateur boxing, you know, record. And if boxing... You know, and it's, it's up to Steven Espinosa and Showtime. If they like me and they want me to stay, I'll definitely stay. If they're like, hey, you know, you know, keep it up. We'll see what we can do. And if the UFC at Bellator does approach and we see what happens, even if the if WWE even approached it, I don't mind going to WWE. Well, you have the charisma to do whatever you want to do. I mean, you, you're great at calling your own shot. Like you said, you like to manifest stuff and you've done a, a good job of that. But, uh, you also have said second round KO for Pretty Boy. Do you know the odds on that? If, if, you, if what's, a, what's a second round KO, KO, uh, sorry, KO payout? If, if we were to bet on you in the second round, if you were to guess, what do you think it is? Man, I don't know. I, me personally, like, I don't gamble. That's the thing. You know, I've never gambled on myself. I don't gamble, period. But, like, I say second round because he's not going to know what hit him in the first. And it's like, oh, snaps. And it's going to be too late for him, so the second round he's finished. But if not the second round, I'm going to try to knock him out in the third. If not the third, I'm going to try to knock him out in the fourth. I'm going to go all out. It's, it's 18 minutes of hard fighting. You know, he's not used to fighting someone my height, of my caliber of experience of fighting. He's a kid. Tommy's still a kid. He doesn't have his mommy there. He doesn't have his daddy there. And he doesn't have his brother there to cheer him on. He's coming to America all all the pressure is on him. So the odds uh, for you to win in the second round is 75 to 1. And the odds for you to win by knockout is 14 to 1. Now, here's the question for you. If his name wasn't Tommy Fury and his name was, I don't know, Bill Stevens, what would the odds be? If he had the same record, same opponents, <laughs> his name's Bill Stevens, what are the odds that for Anthony Taylor I'll in that fight? Pl- I'll be a plus 1,500 on that fight. I guarantee well, you. Well, you mean minus. Minus is the good one. I know you don't gamble. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Minus 1,500. Yeah, That's how you know I don't bet at all, period. I apologize. <laughs> But like I said, the only reason why he's a favorite because his last name is Fury. Like, it doesn't – he's – look, he's not – Tommy and Tyson are not cut from the same cloth. Ty, Tyson is that tough that tough paper towel. When you spill wine on, on, on the floor, you get that paper towel, and you get it up in one swipe. Tommy is toilet tissue, that cheap toilet tissue from the dollar store. <laughs> like I said, they're not cut from the same cloth. All right, so here, here's my other question. Do you have more game than him inside the ring or outside the ring? If you had to pick one, what do you think is a closer contest? Outside the ring in terms of your game <laughs> with the women or inside the ring with, you know, with your game in terms of the boxing game? I mean, look. Uh, <laughs> Where's the gap wider? Definitely got, I got more game than him in the, in the boxing <laughs> ring. You know, I, he can have all the women in the world you know as long as i get that victory that's all that matters i don't i don't care about the women i don't care about that stuff i don't never smoke weed before i don't drink I, all i care about is getting this w see that's how i know you're serious about this because it would have been easy to just say oh, outside the ring and you know bring that bravado in there but I, I, you know you went you went the boxing route i like that i like to see that <laughs> <laughs> i love it i, I love it <laughs>
<laughs> All right. Well, always a pleasure uh, catching up with you, Anthony. Uh, wishing you the best of luck. Uh, and I'd love to see yes. uh, what, where you go from here, because I think obviously the sky's the limit regardless of, of the outcome here. I, you're just the guy that I think uh, has an infectious personality people can get behind. And, uh, you know, I, I know the MMA community is going to be behind you uh, this weekend. But, I mean, on the flip side of that, you did help Jake Paul for this fight against Tyron Woodley. So you're kind of playing both sides. You know, the MMA community is cheering for you, but you also are kind of helping out the, uh, the other side of things in, in trying to help Jake Paul beat Tyron Woodley. So in that fight, where does, uh, where does Jake Paul hold the, the biggest advantage in your opinion against Tyron Woodley? And if you look at the odds, again, I know you're not a gambling man, but Tyron Woodley is actually a bigger underdog than Askren was against uh, Jake Paul. Um, as far as that fight goes, I mean, you got to look at it, you know, the, that, the length and experience, you know, length on Jake, experience on Tyron, you know, the credential in boxing with Jake, no credential in the credential in MMA with Tyron. I mean, they're both stepping up to the test. You know, Tyron's taking his first, is making his boxing debut, and he's fighting Jake. Jake is stepping up to the test, and he's fighting Tyron, who's a UFC legend. You know, so the fight can go either way, but I know where the fight's going to go. It's going to go Jake's way. I, you know, a lot of people. And MMA fans might not like that decision, but look, I train with the guy. Like, I'm an honest guy. I don't lie about MMA. I keep it 100. Over under three and a half rounds. That's the, that's the total for this, this bout between uh, Paul and Tyler Woodley. Look, yeah, it's definitely going to five or six. That's, that's what I can say. All right. Well, if, if that's the case... That's uh, minus 125, so it's a good, good odds for it to go over. So you heard it here from uh, Pretty Boy Anthony Taylor. Nice to speak with you, sir, and uh, best of luck this Sunday. I appreciate you. Thank you so much, Aaron. Thank you. A huge thank you to all of our guests, Giga Chikadze, Kevin Lee, Brian Battle, Gilbert Urbina, Brady Heestand, Ricky Tercios, Anthony Pretty Boy Taylor. That's a mouthful. Lots of guests. Fantastic. Glad you're stuck around till the end. And we will have more great guests on next week's interview edition. If you haven't yet checked out the standard edition, myself, Bazooka Joe Valtellini, talking about everything going on in the world of mixed martial arts and beyond. And we also have some TSN Edge picks to get to you. Uh, go on my Twitter account. You'll be able to find those there or the TSN Edge website. I also have put things together. We've got the review, Bronsted Review. A review is a new feature on... Twitter that uh, basically allows you to create your own newsletter. Think of Substack, websites of that nature. So we have the Bronstetter Review. Basically, what I'm going to do is use it as an aggregator. All of this great content that I'm talking about right now in one place. So you can check that out uh, later this week. Uh, I've I've sent out the first one already. You can find that on my Twitter account. And you can subscribe uh, to get it right in your email. And you can check out all the great content produced on a weekly basis. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll be back next week with more fantastic guests. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.